Well, hey church, how are you doing? I hope your week has been amazing. And even in this time, I just know that you've been pushing into God, His Word, His prayer. We've been praying for you that as worship music fills your house, that His presence would be there, bringing joy and hope and peace. And uh, I know as you do that, that any kind of anxiety that's getting in there or concerns or fear, they're just fleeing in Jesus' name. And His truth is prevailing. His love is prevailing. And Hannah and I are with you in this time. We just want to remind you so much that in the, even in this season, we are there for you. If we can help in any way, please reach out to us. We'd love to be there for you guys. If you're just tuning in now and it's your first time, well, join us. Uh, it's so good to have you here. My name is Dan. My wife, Hannah, and I get to pastor this incredible church, C3 Corumban, which is a church completely online in this season. We are still gathering just in relationship and through screens as opposed to face-to-face. But uh, this will be done soon. We'll be back to having amazing gatherings on a Sunday. And so we're so grateful to have you even joining us online right now. And uh, we'd love for you to feel support in this time. We would love to be there for you and help you in any way we can. So if you need any help at all, please reach out in the comment section. One of our team would love to, to reach out and have, pray for you and help you any way we can. We just want you to know that you are loved right now. And we've been going through a preaching series called Us the last five weeks. And it's our five values. We've had five values for the last five years, actually, as a church. And uh, they've just done They've been such a great thing for us. This is our DNA. It's who we are. Even in this time of not being able to gather together, we are still C3 Corumban because we weren't ever a church that was C3 Corumban because of a service time or an address or a building. We are C3 Corumban because we have the same heartbeat, the same DNA, the same values, and we're trying to achieve the same things with a loving and good Savior. And so as we've been preaching through that, a funny thing happened. As I said, we've had these five values for five years now. And last year, God was showing me how in one of my favorite passages of Scripture in Matthew 11, how our five values actually marry up with five invitations that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 11. We looked at week one, his first one, when he says, come to me, and that's us being Christ-centered. That's our value as a church. We are Christ-centered. He is not an add-on to our life. He is our everything. He's the center of everything we do. He's the life source. Then Jesus says in the same passage, get away with me, another invitation. And we see that our value is prayer empowered. Jesus would often get away from the crowds and the ministry just to be alone with God. And that's Jesus' invitation for you and I, even right now or this week, just to get away from the media and the, the, the stress and the noise, to be prayer empowered, to be praying alone with our Heavenly Father. The second one he says is walk with me. And for us, that's being a disciple. That's disciple making. And that's our, our desire to grow in Jesus and grow in Christ, our relationship with Him, our knowledge of who He is and who we are in Him, to grow in our love for people that don't know Jesus and to enjoy life together. That's the three things we say is being a disciple. And that's Jesus saying, walk with me. Hey, let's journey together. It's not just about a one-time moment or a decision. It's about every day. Let's just do life together. And then as an overflow of that, His fourth invitation is for us to work with Him we looked at last week. For us, we term that outward focused. So outward focused isn't, we, we don't start there because we start with a relationship with Jesus. Otherwise, if we start with, with being outward focused, if we start with works, then our identity is based in works. We think God loves us because we do works. We think God's happy with us because we're doing works. And that's not the gospel. That is not biblically true. We start with a relationship with God and as a healthy overflow of that, when we see that we are His passion, we get passionate about what He's passionate about 
about. And so we become outward focused because we see his passion about people. We see his passion about the world and we want to take his love to the world so much. And so today we're going to look at the fifth invitation that Jesus brings, which is keep company with me. So if you've got your Bible, head on over to Matthew chapter 11. Once again, I'm going to read out of the message version because I love how Eugene Peterson words this so much. So Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Here they are again. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Catch this. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And we see that keep company with me is serving with Jesus. He's a servant king. If you look all through the Bible, Jesus is a servant. And why our final value is we are servant-hearted. So let's pray together. Oh, Jesus, we love you so much. And Lord, we thank you for this beautiful invitation to Matthew 11. I pray that we would take you up on that daily, that God, we would come to you. We'd get away with you. We'd walk with you. We'd work with you and we would keep company with you. We wouldn't walk away from you and, and get into the busyness of life and the noise of life. We want to stay with you, Jesus. We want a healthy daily relationship with you, God. So I pray you'd speak through me right now. Holy Spirit, bring your word and bring your truth to every one of our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, it's an amazing thing. Once again, I think this fits perfectly with our value of servant-hearted. Because when we look at Scripture, Jesus is a servant. And that was so shocking to so many people. They were expecting him to come and be literal king and rule Israel and rule the land. They were expecting him born into royalty. And we see a, a God, we see a, a Savior born in a manger born to some unmarried servant, a carpenter. We see almost an outcast, if you will. And we see Jesus' heart. He words it himself in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. We see this crazy thing where Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. What does it mean that Jesus served us? What does it mean that we now have become servant Hearted. I want to look at one more passage for us today. It comes out of John chapter 13. And uh, some of you may know it. This is where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. But I want us to look at this. This is just before he died. This is in the last 24 hours. He's in the upper room. He's about to have dinner with the disciples. They're in a time of uncertainty. Their whole world has been shattered. You know, they're, they're looking forward to losing their, their Savior, their King. Jesus had been with them in flesh and blood. He's about to part this earth. And they're kind of just feeling uneasy. All of their normal is about to go. And I know that resonates with you and I as well in this time of uncertainty and change. So I want us to look at this. I want to see what Jesus spoke here for us. Let's read together in John chapter 13, verse 1. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. So before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the, um, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew 
that the Father had given him all authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said, Lord, what are, you, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, well then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. Are you disciples? You disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew, Jesus knew who was going to betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. What an amazing story. Jesus, the God, it says, knowing that a God had given him all authority. He's about to return to God. What a position of power. What a position of might. What would you do next? He gets up and he washes their feet. What? It's insane, this moment. And I want us to catch the heartbeat of our Savior so that we see that everything we do as a servant-hearted church is not about works. It's about having the same heart as our Savior. The reason we're servant-hearted because we have Jesus' heart now in us. We are Christ-centered. He starts with the most amazing passage. Church, you know I preach about this a lot because it's so important for us to get. So if you're just joining us for the first time online, this is, this is some of the most important truths you are going to hear. It said, And having loved his disciples, he loved them to the end. So he got up and washed their feet. All of this, point number one, the first thing I want to talk about today is serving is an overflow of love. It is not an overflow of works. It is not an overflow of an I have to mentality. It's an overflow of love. We need to see, you need to see once again that Jesus came to this earth. He left his throne room. He left his divine privileges. He was still God, but he gave up his divine privileges to come down here to serve you and I because he loved us. That's what Romans 8, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says. While we were enemies of God, while we were still sinners, God demonstrated his love for the world by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. Jesus came to serve us out of love. I love what J.I. Packer, great theologian, says. He says, love awakens love in return. And love, once awoken, desires to give. Catch that truth, church. Love awakens love in return. And love, once this love has been awoken, it desires to give. Do you get that God 
loves you. He served you because he loves you. And he's not trying to stir up works. He's not trying to get you to serve because he needs stuff done. He's trying to stir up love in you and in I. That is the goal of our lives this side of eternity. That is the goal of living for God. He loves us. He wants us to have love. He wants love awoken because when love has been awoken in us, a natural desire is for us to give. I, I don't serve because I'm trying to get something. I don't serve because I'm trying to receive something. Oh, I need a, a new car. I need new things. I need something. I better serve on an extra roster so God would give me something. I'm not serving to get something. I'm serving because I've already received everything I could ever ask for. Jesus, forgiveness, hope, joy, life, and life abundantly. Now my serving is an overflow of contentment. I have everything I need in Jesus. Jesus says he loved his disciples. He loved them to the end, so he served them. May you and I see that for us to be a church that is servant-hearted, it's because we know, we know that we are so loved by Jesus. And now we look to our world around us. We look to each other in the church. We're like, wow, I, I just want to serve other people now. I want to give. I want to help other people. It's an overflow of knowing that I am loved. A natural overflow of knowing that I am loved is I want other people to know they are loved. And they will know that they are loved when I serve them. What an incredible honor this is to go and serve. Amen. The second thing he says to Simon Peter, he says, unless I wash you, you will not belong to me. This is big as well. The second thing I want to talk about today is that serving is an overflow of belonging. Once again, we say often in our church that uh, our, our three things, sometimes people flip these things, but for us it's belong, believe, become. We want you to know that you belong in our church family. You belong in C3 Corumbent. Even if you don't believe in Jesus yet, even if you don't believe he's the one true God yet, you still have a place. When gatherings start, there is a seat for you every Sunday. There is free lunch and free coffee waiting for you. You belong. When, when we could meet together for feasts, you belong in our small groups. You belong at our dinner table. You belong. You are loved. And then as an overflow of that, we're praying that you would believe that you are loved by the one true God in heaven. But here's the big thing. Then, then we become. Then our doing, the becoming for us, the, what I mean by that is our doing, our works, our striving, our outpouring. That's the end goal of belonging, then believing. Then we pour out. Christians, C3 Karamban, you and I cannot effectively do for God until we get and understand what he has done for us. You belong to God through faith, not works. You belong to God through faith in what Jesus has done for you. You don't belong to God because of what you're doing. You don't belong to God because you serve on a roster. We serve on a roster because we belong to God. I serve people in the community because I belong to God. I give a large portion of my wage because I belong to God. Everything I do is an overflow of knowing I belong. Everything we do for God first must start with a knowing of us belonging to God comes from Him washing us. His Word washes us and then we belong. We're in the family.
And let's just strive to make everything we do, all of our serving, loving people. And I'm not just talking about rosters. I'm talking about being servant-hearted every day of every week, everywhere we go. Being a servant-hearted person, it's a joyful overflow of knowing I already belong to Jesus. I don't need to do this to earn God's love. I am loved. So now I look forward to serving. I look forward to helping other people get that same revelation. The last thing, and I'll finish with this. He says at the end, I, I've done this. I have served you guys to set an example. So I pray that you do it as well. See, serving is an overflow of following Jesus. It's an overflow of following Jesus. When you want to follow Jesus, you realize that you, you don't follow him to sit in a chair and do nothing. You don't follow him to just live how you want to live. You follow him and what he's doing. And if he is a servant king, then that's where I'm following you. Jesus, if you're a servant, then I'm following you to become a servant too. I want to follow you. See, in John chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, John chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, I love this. Jesus says, I, I, I call my sheep to myself. I gather my sheep and then the shepherd. I, I walk ahead of them. It says, and they follow me because they know my voice. How beautiful is that? Church, if you are his, if you do belong, that's him gathering his sheep. That's him gathering his church. That's him gathering us. And then it says, and I walk ahead and everyone who is mine will follow me. Why? Because they know my voice. They're mine. They'll follow. See, we get to serve people. We get to love people. We get to invite people. Everything we do, it's an overflow of following Jesus. It's not running ahead of Jesus. It's not going, oh, I'll go and do this and you can catch up. No. We are following our Savior. We are following Jesus Christ. And we'll finish in a moment. And that's that beautiful thing we see in Scripture. Paul, Paul rarely breaks out into him. Paul is quite uh, systematic. He's quite you know, uh, systematically minded and he's teaching and his words. But every now and again, he breaks into praise. This almost like a hymn. And one of my favorite ones comes out of Philippians 2. I think you guys will remember it. In verse 5, it says, Christians have this mindset among you, which is yours in Christ. Once you're in Christ, you get his mindset. Verse 6, who being in the form of God, didn't see equality with God as something to grasp onto, but he made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant and being found in human form. And when in human form, he humbled himself, catch this, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on the cross. Jesus dying on the cross was him humbling himself from the throne to the form of a servant and serving faithfully until he died on the cross. Then in verse 9, we're still in Philippians 2 in verse 9. Because of that, God has given him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess in heaven, on earth and under the earth that he is Lord to the glory of God. Now, verse 12, since you obeyed in my presence, now obey even more in my absence and work out your salvation. Church, us working out our salvation is done properly when we look back at our servant king and go, what? You did what for me? You left the throne? You became a servant and then you, you suffered on the cross? What? Now I'm going to work out my salvation. Now I see that I'm going to take that. I'm going to follow you. I want to take on the form of a servant for this world too. There is more joy in me serving and helping other people than everyone else helping me. I discover a joy in helping others. I, did, I discover a joy in being servant-hearted and following my Savior. May we strive to do that. Amen, church.